Hello everyone and welcome to This Makes Us Uncomfortable, a podcast where we talk about things that make us uncomfortable. Happy New Year, everybody. It is 2020, which is super exciting. My name is Candice. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm here with... Hi, my name is Chris. I use he, him pronouns. So it is a new year. And today in this new year, Chris, what makes you uncomfortable? Um, so since this is my first time doing a podcast, my actual voice just makes me uncomfortable. I hate hearing myself. I don't like speaking, but yet here I am doing a podcast. And then the second thing that makes me uncomfortable is not necessarily the Australian fires, but like the focus of the fires. Every single video and picture you see is someone helping out an animal, but we don't tend to worry about the people that are going through things in Australia right now. So we care about animals more than people, and that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, it yeah. is a very uncomfortable realization. I think it's like we care more about like animals than we care about like black and brown people in particular. Yeah. Because like I'm the most concerned about Aboriginal people in Australia right now. I don't know. I think that they're still counting like death tolls and things like that. Like I think that they are working on it. But I also was very uncomfortable out by like obviously I understand the importance of the lives of those animals and. Mm-hmm biodiversity and all those things i we both recognize that that's important yeah but it still was unsettling and it's like again all the coverage is going to animals rather than the people and don't get me wrong i love animals but the people matter just as much if not more so let's get them some coverage too yeah i agree Okay, so today I have two things that make me uncomfortable. One, I don't know why this is sitting on my spirit, <laughs> but I'm getting really sick and tired of y'all talking about Alicia Keys. I understand that she took someone's husband. I get it. It happens. It does, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess it happens. Um, but y'all don't have the same energy for him who left his wife. Mm-hmm. And y'all don't have the same energy for other men who cheat on their wives and things like that. And, like, I just need y'all to realize that you're being super misogynistic and it's not cute. And These are facts. Like, it's not cute. And I'm just so sick and tired of it. I don't know why this is really upsetting me, but it was. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. It's just, like, every time we're having just a regular conversation about Alicia Keys, she hosted this, she hosted that. You see a tweet, it's like, she also stole that woman's husband, and it's like, well, he cheated on <laughs> his, his wife. wife. He left her, but you don't talk about him in that same manner. So it's always two sides yeah. to the coin. It's just it's weird. It's also, nasty. I'm sure your brother, sister, cousin, friend has also stolen someone's man. They probably have. Person, so you I don't give you. them that same energy. Yeah, so <laughs> I need you to let it go. Keep the same energy. I feel you. Yeah. The other thing that makes me uncomfortable is something I feel kind of bad about and but i want to name it and recognize it because i think if we're being honest with ourselves a lot of other people feel this way is i get really jealous of younger people and the things that they have access to and the representation that they have the certain i guess freedoms that they have to express themselves and things like that that i didn't have And I'm so happy for them. And, you know, we 
fought for them who and other people fought for them to have those things yeah, you want better for the next generation yeah but it doesn't change the fact that i'm still kind of sad like i was watching the l word generation q um for the i've mentioned this before i loved the original l word but it was trash like yeah. it was so problematic <laughs> <laughs> like there was that really racist woman who was married to a black woman and i'm still really confused as to how that went down and that really problematic trans representation that was just awful um and now you have like trans writers and trans characters played by trans people and it's just a really really beautiful show and i'm so happy i have it now and i saw on twitter a lot of people talking about how they used to watch the l word like under their covers Mm -hmm. and stuff and now they're like watching it with their partners like that's really beautiful um but that doesn't change the fact that i feel jealous yeah and i think like i guess to respond to that we have a right to also feel jealous just because it's like if things were better when i was a kid maybe there were more things that i could have accomplished not saying that i haven't accomplished a lot but if I had access to this or that, maybe things could be even better than they are right now. So it's definitely valid. Your feelings are validated. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So today we have your questions that you sent in. The first one is, how do you relieve stress? Um, I am the worst at relieving stress, actually. I just kind of wait for it to pass. I'm not going to lie. I do read when I'm stressed. I'm currently working on this book that I'm obsessed with called Pleasure Activism. And of course, I'm gonna forget the author's name. You can do it. Um, I wanna say it's Adrian Marie Brown. Feels right. I think that that's right. Let's just say it's right. It's right. Yeah. Um, and it's about like, it, it builds off of Audre Lorde's um, concept of using the erotic as power. And it does talk a lot about sex, but also like drugs and things that just make you feel good Mm -hmm. um and it's using that as forms of liberation i'm still working on it but she does mention that she's going to get into using it for justice as like climate change sex Mm -hmm. work disability justice and all those different things there's a chapter called the joy of living in the time of beyonce giselle Knowles carter Uh, of course i'm very excited about it so yeah, that is typically, I just do things that make me happy. I'm also watching The Circle right now. I'm not going to get into The Circle, but it is the best worst show I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Um, it's a reality show on Netflix. So and just it's trash. In terms of like stress relief, you say you have those things. Do you use those to just sort of forget about the stress and put it on the back burner? Or is it more so, I just want to get rid of all of the stress, so I'm going to do this? I use it to put the stress on the back right okay, and so that's I'm not okay. <laughs> I feel like that's not okay. Maybe it is okay. Maybe there's nothing wrong with temporary distraction and I'm being too hard on myself right now. And you're able to alleviate the stress in that moment and then that's yeah. what you need, then you do what you have to do in that moment. Yeah. We're so, going to go with that. Yeah, that's good. So mm-hmm. I guess I have a few different ways of relieving stress depending on what type of stress it is. So when work gets stressful, um, honestly, I cut off all communication and listen to music. I feel like music is one of those things that can ther- be can be um, therapeutic for me. So me I it's bad, but I isolate and use music to just sort of get back on track, forget about everything and focus on what I need to focus on. Uh, if life in general is stressing me, I try to journal a lot. I keep a journal at home and at work, so I always have the option to break that out and write whenever I need to. 
And then there's always just the gym that's like more of a way to get out just something that's really weighing on me mentally. It's like I go into the gym and I get in there and you just sort of try to forget about anything. And again, music is there too. So music is used as therapy also. Yeah. I love music. Anyone who has ever lived with me can tell you I listen to my music at ignorant levels of loud. And we need music. Music is good for you. So I I don't understand how you don't love music. I don't get that. I've never met someone because people will be like, what are you into? And I'm like, oh, I really love music. And I'm like, but I've never met anyone who's not into music. So my partner is actually one of the people who prefers to do podcasts instead of music. We've touched on the topic a little bit before and I still don't really understand it. But But does she listen to music? So she listens to music when she has to i guess so okay if we're in the car i try to keep a balance of music and podcasts but for the most part she does podcasts that's wild she's valid no she is valid (laughs) absolutely i validate you as well but i i've just never ever met someone who isn't super into music but that's cool yeah. i'm weirdly obsessed with music though it's like a problem i have to have music on all the time i agree with you it helps it does help but i feel like i i always am like is my music too loud is this obnoxious and i have the sweetest roommates ever and they're like no you're fine i'm like i know that you're wrong i just forget that it's really loud sometimes yeah i'm just so into it yeah there is getting caught in the music which seems just like a corny term but you can get caught up in it yeah which is yeah especially when i'm like trying to leave stress i'm like not paying attention to the people that are around me and how Mm -hmm. they're being affected by the obnoxiously loud music that i'm playing yeah there you go yeah that's always a good stress reliever yes i'm also learning how to journal yeah i've never journaled before it is i understand yeah, I feel like I'm too old to learn, but you're never too old to learn anything, is what they keep telling me. I guess it's just more so of, like, when you're first starting, it's like, okay, what do I write about? And that can be very confusing because some people want to keep a journal, but they don't want to necessarily write negative thoughts into a journal. So yeah. it's like, how do I spin everything positively? Some people want to write down all of their thoughts, including the negative ones. So there's always just different ways to do it, but yeah, they're... It's just weird getting into and figuring it all out. Yeah. Is it healthy to not put negative thoughts in a journal? That doesn't sound healthy to me. (laughs) I mean, I could see that part of it, but it's just like if you want to keep all positivity in your journal so you can go back to it and look at all the positive moments when you need it. Like, I understand that part. So Okay, okay. It's complicated, as you would say. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of complicated, um, our next question... (sighs) Is there a limit to using mental illness as an excuse for not being a great friend? Is it possible for someone to use it as a cop-out? And what I mean not being a great friend is that they're being a friend. They're just not being a very good one, I guess. And I think... I don't know. Uh, I'll let you answer. Okay. I'll <laughs> um, let you get started on this. I think that... Okay. I think we're still learning so much about mental illness, right? Mm -hmm. I think that we're still trying to understand, like, we as a society have just accepted that mental illness is, like, legitimate Mm -hmm. very recently. I think that with that, it becomes very complicated because we're still learning how to live with it. Mm -hmm. And whether that's you as the person experiencing mental illness or you as the person 
who is loving someone with a mental illness or is being affected by someone with a mental illness, it's it's really, really complicated. Um, and I think this is especially complicated depending on like what age you are Definitely. as well. Um, for those of you who do not know, the early 20s is when most people develop mental illness. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to have a legitimate diagnosed mental illness in your life, you're most likely to develop it when you're in your 20s, especially like psychotic symptoms like hallucinations or paranoia and things like that. Like that's developed in your 20s and not that it can't develop later because of trauma or earlier or it really just depends. Everyone's brain is different, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's complicated when you're talking about like people in their 20s life is already a mess you're still learning yeah (laughs) you're still learning because you're in your 20s and we're also learning how to be good friends and being good people Mm. and you add mental illness onto that it just it makes it, it it makes it super complicated because people are struggling yeah we all are and when someone's dealing with mental illness it's like sometimes you can't get out of bed sometimes you can't shower Mm -hmm. and i'm supposed to you know be in a physical space you want me to come hang out yeah (laughs) like that's a lot to ask of someone sometimes but also i've mentioned this before in a different episode but like everyone is deserving of a loving supportive relationship or relationships in their life and it's not fair when you're supporting one person and they're not supporting you back so yeah and just to add to that i feel like it's even more complicated because you want the person to always feel validated no matter what so it's like i do understand what you're going through and i know that you're going through a lot but please take 10 seconds out of your day just to let me know that you're okay And while that sounds like something that's easy to say, saying that to someone who's going through a lot mentally, it's just, it's a strain, it's hard to do. So it's just very complicated. And again, you want people to feel validated. So saying things like that aren't, it's just not always easy. Yeah. I think though that when you're in the process of helping someone take care of themselves, I, if you're someone with mental illness who is, you know, having someone um, who is helping take care of you, you like have responsibilities to that person and i'm sorry that's just the truth like mm-hmm. that person's trying to help you and like i remember i was really trying to help someone and then and i was like very much taking care of them yeah and um they were like someone had come to town that wasn't very good for them and they were like hanging out with them and i was like you didn't even tell me this person was around and you're really fragile right now. Mm. And I feel like I should have known that information. Yeah. Or like you could have just in general, like checked in about other things that you're putting me in sometimes really scary positions where I don't know if you're okay. Yeah. And then you're not even checking in with me. And so it's when, when you tell people scary things and that you're in scary places, you do have to let people know that you're okay because people are going to worry because they love and care about you. So how do you sort of, as the friend who's on the other side and the friend who's being the take, the caretaker, how do you go about getting them to open up about those things and to say, hey, just let me know that you're okay? Because that's what I struggle with. It's like, I don't want to overwhelm you. I don't want to put any more on you that you can handle. So I have issues with that. I think I said exactly that. Yeah. I said that I didn't want to put any pressure on them or I didn't want to make them feel like they were a burden to me or anything like that but Mm. and i said that but you are asking for my help right now and i can't do that if you're not helping me help you yeah 
and I deserve to know that you're okay if you are and I deserve to know if you're not if Mm -hmm. that's because you put me in the position where we're working on this together yeah I think is exactly what I said yeah that's fair it's like you let me in on these things and you wanted to be open to me about these things and which I I appreciate yeah I appreciate that very much but let's just make sure that we're checking in with each other and making sure that you're okay I'm okay and Let's just continue to work on this as a team. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're not okay. I would like to know that as well. Yeah, because it's always good to know. It's nice to help out in that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. But also you, I, I think that something this person who was asking the question was also like, that person's never making sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. And is never really checking in with you and is never really, and that's where I am stressed. Yeah. Because I don't know how to say i understand you're going through a lot but i'm not getting the things out of this friendship that i deserve Mm -hmm. i think it's a good idea to always ask them like what type of friend they can be in the moment because things Mm -hmm. fluctuate so much and the care that they're giving you one week might not be the same care that they're giving you another week so that's always a good starting point but if you're just never getting that care that you want out of that friendship then that one is just hard to deal with you. Again, you want to be there for them, but you also want positives out of their friendship. You want support. So again, it's complicated, like you said. It is. I do think that it can be used as a cop-out, though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I definitely think that... I think a lot of things can be... Almost anything can be used as a cop-out, like any situation. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm busy. You may really be busy, and I understand that. But at a certain point, like, you always busy. Yeah. It's like, there's only so much stuff to be done in a day. It's like, if you're busy for five months in a row when I want to reach out to you and get stuff, then I don't know about that one. Yeah. And so I definitely think that mental thing, like, I just don't, like, I definitely think that you, it, it, you have to trust your gut and your intuition when you think someone is using something as a cop-out. And tell them, hey, I'm not sure if you're really being genuine with me right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree with that. Thank you so much. For your questions, if you have any questions, you can DM us at us uncomfortable on Instagram and Twitter, and then you can email me at thismakesusuncomfortable at gmail.com. And so today's topic, we are talking about self-teaching. So Chris, how would you define self-teaching? Um, this is another loaded one. Um, I guess I would say it's more so taking the initiative to learn about, I guess, just anything, not necessarily even new. But taking the initiative to learn about things that you don't necessarily have a good foundation of knowledge on and just taking all of the steps to make sure you not only learn this stuff, but apply it to your life and just be able to converse about it and just to be more engaged with that topic. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think it can also be, and I think that this is where things can become really problematic, is I think it should also be things that you do know about oh, and that true. you need to build upon because like we're always learning new things. Words are always changing and information is always new and there's so much to learn all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I find myself in the most frustrating conversations with people who have been experts on a topic for a really long time that haven't like introduced themselves to new information. Uh-huh. Yeah, they just kind of come off as a know-it-all at some point when it's just like, no, there's newer information 
So what you learned back then might not be what's up to date right now. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That notion of even it being information that you already know, but con- but continuing to refresh your knowledge base, that's definitely a good thing to point out. Yeah. I think it's really important in the time that we're living in because something that I notice is that people get really upset with other people for not having knowledge, but mm. you don't keep that energy for yourself. Yeah, I'm a victim of that if we're being honest, so I definitely feel you. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I think that, you know what, probably me too. We if probably we, all are, but it's all, it's all good. Yeah, because you get really, really upset with someone for not being knowledgeable about something, but then when do you take the time out to, like, educate yourself on something? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but something that's really getting on my fucking nerves right now is the use of white sage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so over it. I think it's almost people are making it a trend now. Yeah, and Native American and indigenous folks have repeatedly said this is a sacred thing you Uh should not be using it and there's just like as a very spiritual person there are so many freaking things for you to smoke cleanse with like smudging is a native american practice Mm -hmm. and smoke cleansing is not like smoke cleansing has happened across all cultures and i could get into that forever you can pick up blue sage you can pick up cedar there's so much that you could do yeah and like people aren't i find myself people not seeing people not take the time out to just like literally educate themselves and i i remember i was in a situation where i literally shared an article with someone Mm -hmm. and they literally were arguing with me the things that made me understand that they didn't read the article yeah and it was one of the shortest articles that i've ever seen and it was so simple explaining why you can't use white sage Mm -hmm. and um i was just like you can't but, like, do I always read articles that people share with me? Granted, she clearly <laughs> didn't even open the link to the article because it was a really short article that uh-huh. she could have read in, like, a good eight minutes. Yeah. Um, so I I totally get that we may not always have, like, that same energy for... We need to keep that same energy. The same energy, the anger that I feel towards people <laughs> that um, aren't learning about their spiritual practices in general. Because I think that that leads to an overarching conversation about spiritual practices and when things are what are referred to in spiritual communities as closed versus open practice and uh-huh. closed practice is something that is specific to cultures yeah. and open being things that are open to all people and like you're clearly just not taking the time out to learn about your spiritual practices and like what that means so i think the form of self-teaching in that instance is learning about what you're doing yeah which i feel like you should have already done and i mean yeah i also agree with you if you're gonna be spiritual and i just feel like you should do a hefty amount of research like it again the internet is a place where there's just so much so much knowledge that you can find and of course you have to vet the knowledge and make sure that it's and that's also really complicated Yeah. yeah so that is complicated But again, it's a resource that's just widely available to anyone. So again, this eight-minute read of an article is something that you shared with a friend. If you can't devote eight minutes of your time into learning more about a practice, then... Maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you should not do it. (laughs) Like... Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, it was was a wild experience. I think another reason self-teaching is really important is because it can be a really liberating thing. For you, um, especially if you identify with a marginalized community or you have a marginalized identity or you're really passionate about when you learn 
like learning more about like black liberation was a very important like understanding where I came from and mm-hmm. like the history and the people that really fought for me and like Asada Shakur and Angela Davis and all those people um, was a really, really liberating experience for me because I was able to just feel confident in my blackness and really understand that like racism and hate and all these different things have been already fought for and there's so many people who've had successes mm-hmm. in fighting for these things and like I could do the same things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. I'll never be on Angela Davis's level, but that's we can still try. We can still we can always try. I also think um, when we're touching on liberation, um, I guess just the lower level of libera- liberation. Um, just something as small as financial literacy and things like that have mm-hmm. all been ways that I've been able to liberate myself. It's like my parents didn't necessarily have the resources and et cetera to teach me how to handle money, how to work out with credit, how to do et cetera. So me taking the initiative to learn those things and being able to apply those to my life, it's, it's a good feeling. It's like, okay, I'm working harder to ensure that the people who come after me know these things and they can get ahead. So that in itself can be used as a way of liberation also. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because self-teaching doesn't have to just be about social justice or it doesn't have to just be about the bigger things. Something we were talking about is like also interpersonal relationships and the way you have to teach yourself. One, you have to teach yourself how to like, I guess... Sometimes you have to teach other people how to love you mm-hmm. correctly or the way that you want to be loved. And with that, you have to, like, learn how you want to be loved yeah. and cared for. And that can be really difficult. And that's a whole process of self-teaching that you have to go through mm-hmm. um, that takes a lot of reflection. And so that is also a really liberating experience is being able to teach yourself. And it's also, like, but going through that process, having someone else teach you can only go so far Uh without you trying to put in the effort for yourself. And when you realize that you accomplish that thing, that that level, there comes a moment where you realize you're confident in your knowledge in something, Mm -hmm. and that is such a liberating experience. I also think another good piece of self-teaching is just to be able to do things at your own pace. Because again, if someone else is teaching you or they're educating you on the topic, you have to go at their pace and you may or may not pick up what they're putting down. So with being able to self-teach, it's like I can be as patient as I want with myself and gives you the opportunity to go and just try things out, try speaking on topics and just being able to go at your own pace helps out a lot too. Yeah. There's also a level of vulnerability that comes with that though. I think vulnerability is great. I remember Mm. I was talking to someone. I don't remember why. Someone asked me if I have a problem being vulnerable. I don't at all, like, in any slightest way at all. I Uh love vulnerability. I love being in vulnerable places. I don't know if that's weird. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that being vulnerable with yourself is always such, like, an an opening, an eye-opening experience. And it's, like, going to take you to another level of growth Uh that you can there's just a really cool place to be vulnerability is great yeah it is it's i'm like smiling well they can't see it but i'm smiling just because like (laughs) a moment that happened the other day where i was like damn i'm like mad vulnerable right now and i don't know how i feel about it but yet here we are 
So the other day, I actually cried in front of my partner for the first time. And it was something very simple. It was like um, Mac Miller released a posthumous song. And then just like I was able to sit down with my partner and listen to it and watch the video at the same time. And a lot of the lyrics and things were just stuff that I could relate to. And I was just like, damn, I grew up with this guy and he's not with us anymore. And I got through like the first minute and I just broke down and I was like, oh, man, I'm crying in front of her right now. Like this has never happened before. She's cried in front of me before, but I've never cried in front of her. But it was also just like, damn, this feels good to be vulnerable. She's not judging me. I'm able to process my emotions. So yeah. I argue with you. Vulnerability is nice. Yeah. And when you put yourself in that process of self-teaching, you're literally like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And what is like, there are things that are more vulnerable than that. But that is like one of the most vulnerable places you can be. Yeah. To just be like, I don't know what the hell is happening. Exactly. It's like, oh, I don't really scary. know how to explain this. But we're just kind of... We're going to try to work through this. Yeah, and... we're just going to go for it. Yeah, it was a nice moment. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that you had that moment. Mm-hmm. It's just still <laughs> like a, it's one of those like <laughs> moments. It was like, oh man. So it's like, I'm still processing it, but yeah, I'm, again, I'm still working through it. So Yeah. Um, and then I think one of the last reasons I want to say self-teaching is so important. And we have like going back to the topic of social justice is that you can really hurt people and perpetuate really large levels of oppression that really need to be dismantled. I think that's something that, well, I guess people do talk about it. We live in a fucked up dystopian Absolutely, yeah. Like, reality. <laughs> like, all of those books you were reading as children, like, those things are, like, happening mm-hmm. now. <laughs> and you just, like, need to do your best to learn all that you can. And I, I want to say, and maybe this is aggressive, but I, I do feel like people are always talking about how they want to be educated and they want to learn, but they also want to have peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand that. I 150% understand that. But I feel like a lot of times the people who say that aren't, like, actually. They're like, so instead of learning, I'm just going to not learn. I understand. Like, people are dying. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, just like, and I understand. Your peace of mind is important because you need to thrive. But that doesn't excuse you from not learning and not trying Mm, it's like you're turning a blind eye at the cost of people's people's lives lives. yeah i think that with international affairs that happens a lot Mm -hmm. like um people really block out what's happening with like israel and palestine Mm -hmm. um and they're like i don't really understand it turns away and i was like okay well like genocide is going on yeah and, like, you're eating foods that are made in Israel. You're buying things that are made in Israel. And you're supporting Israel mm-hmm. in general. And, again, people are dying. And in you're choosing not to learn about those things instead of teaching yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I think is just incredibly harmful. Yeah. I think it's also... I can, like, speak to it for myself. But I guess it's, like, media that has kind of made me a little bit desensitized to like certain things that I see so if I'm reading a headline and it's like 30 people died in a bombing here it's like I'll read it take it in and then just forget about it five minutes later but it's like why do you just forget about it like that's a lot of valuable lives that are over now because of some stupid reason so 
guess we just have to do better and take the next step to continue to learn more about things once we get access to the information. Yeah, I agree. We kind of talked about this a little bit already, but what are the things that we need to teach ourselves? Again, like you said earlier, even topics where you feel like you're the most experienced and we still need to continue to learn more and more about those topics and refresh our knowledge base. So So I think, one, we've talked about social justice issues. You just have to be educated about the world because it's the world that you live in and you Mm -hmm. occupy and you affect people every day. I think I I also I've said this before and people disagree with me on this. I feel like we were not taught how to have healthy relationships. These are facts. I think that the people before us were not always in the super healthiest of relationships. Like I I cannot stand when people talk about high divorce rates mm-hmm. and um, specifically like in heteronormative romantic relationships people treat each other and i'm like well yeah well like our parents or our grandparents in particular not my grandparents but other people's grandparents in particular were in situations where like women were not being treated very well Mm -hmm. but they were depending on men financially so they had to make it work yeah i think the amount of men who lived like double lives and had two families (laughs) yeah it was was a lot back then and those rates were high so yeah and i also think to take that a step further not only do we have to learn how to have healthy relationships but we should also teach ourselves just how to incorporate self-love into our lives oh yeah yeah i feel like again like you said growing up self-love wasn't really a topic in my family and probably many families out there so just figuring that out and navigating that is something else that I think is good for everyone to figure out yeah I think that that kind of goes back to our mental illness conversation is that like people I don't think people were taught how to take care of themselves really Mm -hmm. like I think of um and that like I don't know I think of how there's like extremes to that right like um, I went to a university and I remember when I moved into my dorm, um, they were like, make sure you put water when you're making instant mag mm-hmm. because that's like one of the number one reasons <laughs> that the smoke alarms go off. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so some of you literally don't know the logistics of taking care of yourselves. You can't make instant mac and cheese in the microwave, mm-hmm. but then it's like, other extremes where you're like, I don't know how to like emotionally take care of myself. I don't know how to set boundaries. I don't know how to do those things. And you have to, no one, or I guess there are parents who actually sit down, sit their children down and be like, this is how you set boundaries for yourself. Uh-huh. But a lot of people don't. And you have to teach yourself how to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing, just to call out men, I feel like men Absolutely. need to learn how we need to learn how to process our trauma rather than looking towards other people who we want to be involved with in life to basically be our therapist that happens way too much and again that reinforces the negative relationships just because if you don't know how to deal with your trauma and you try to put that on someone else that is just unfair to them so if as men we do our part to process our trauma and make it okay to talk about emotions and just topics of that nature things will be a lot better yeah, I agree. We all know how I feel about men. You yeah. don't have to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So how do we teach ourselves? So I think I feel like um, we have to start out by reframing our mindset. And I guess what that means is just going into it openly and understanding that I may be about to open myself up to a lot of information that may be different than what I originally thought about this topic. So I need to go in with the most open mindset and understanding that this may lead to changes in my thoughts and the things that I believe in. Yeah, I think you need to be humble. I think you need to like recognize that, again, it comes back with that vulnerability, is that you need to recognize that it's not going to feel great. Mm-hmm not knowing things and it's not gonna f- growing is painful yeah always um and uncomfortable mm-hmm. hence the title of this podcast uh-huh. um but <laughs> i think you just need to humble yourself and realize that like yeah you're just kind of ignorant sometimes mm-hmm. and that sucks but it is what it is it is what it is and so how do we take it to the next step after realizing that okay i need to go into this as humble as possible like when you realize you need to teach yourself, like well, how do you teach yourself? So it's like, okay, I understand that I want to learn more about this topic and I know that I need to go into this as humbly as possible, if that's a word, if we're phrasing that correctly. I think that's a word. So how do you take it from that next step into what else you need to do to self-teach? So I think it depends on the thing that you're teaching yourself, right? So when it comes to... In ways, I think that learning about social justice topics is easier than learning about yourself mm-hmm. and healthy relationships. I agree. Because with that. that's like factual information. Uh-huh. Like learning about like healthy relationships and stuff requires like reflection mm-hmm. and like for you to do a lot of work. Um, but I think when you're learning about social justice topics, like there are so many resources that are available for you. I say this every other episode. You should go to the library. I love libraries. Um, get a library card because there's even like you can get books from your on your phone or Mm -hmm. your tablet you know you can watch movies through canopy also i feel like i've mentioned this before but i've never gone into why i love pbs so freaking much i loved pbs as a kid so yeah i would like to hear this too (laughs) because pbs releases like the best documentaries there is one called kumuhina which is about a trans woman who lives in Hawaii and she's indigenous Hawaiian mm-hmm. and um, she is a cultural icon in Hawaii and she passes down cultural information but it also talks about the presence of gender nonconformity in indigenous Hawaiian culture mm-hmm. that's just so cool the Black Panthers documentary PBS yeah they just they'll just make these really really revolutionary pieces of work and y'all don't give them their thing. Y'all gonna give PBS <laughs> their things. <laughs> like, y'all need to pay attention to PBS and the education that they're trying to give you. And this is all, it's all free? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I watched this documentary about, I think I've mentioned this before. It was about this committee of people who targeted queer, trans queer and trans people in university settings in the 50s Mm -hmm. um, and how they would like interrogate these people for like 16 hours at a time and all these horrific things and I literally just watched it online I just go on PBS's website sometimes and I see what documentaries are yeah I love PBS so much so check out PBS just go online see what documentaries they have they have a Baird Rustin documentary if you don't know who Baird Rustin is he's literally the reason Martin Luther King did so many of the things that he did without Mm -hmm. Baird. 
we wouldn't be here. And I feel very confident in that statement. Um, but yeah, the library is great. There are great resources for you on the internet. I also think though, when you're learning about healthy relationships, the internet's not a bad place to start. No, you you, like you're I, I'm like trying I, to think that the elaborate on that. Yes. <laughs> I think that like it's not. I don't think you can Google healthy relationships, but I think when you're like learning about things like love languages, or I learned that apology languages exist. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to understand apology languages. I the concept confuses me a little bit, but I'm gonna learn because I'm gonna teach myself. There we go. But. When you hear about these concepts of like conflict resolution styles and things like that, like I don't think the internet is a bad place to learn. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, that it's bad to read about healthy relationships, Mm -hmm. like books and stuff. I think that you should definitely make sure your sources that you're getting them from are good um, and not like Steve Harvey's. Like, <laughs> what is it? Think like a man? Act like a lady, think like a man. Yeah, I don't think that that's where you should start. You should, like, not just read any self-help book you can find. Mm-hmm. I don't even think that they'd be self-help books, but I've never read a self-help book. I don't understand them, but that's fine. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I think it's you can read about healthy relationships, and I think also... I think when you're talking about it, I think you have to have those hard conversations with people that are in your lives and asking them if they think that your relationship is healthy mm-hmm. um, and asking them if there are things that you want, they want from your relationship that they're not getting. And so that's the thing with self-teaching is even not even just with interpersonal relationships, healthy relationships and things like that is that it's not com- just because it's you're teaching yourself. It doesn't mean the process is completely by yourself. Like conversations with other people are super important. Um, like how are you going to learn unless you're bouncing things off of other people and how are you supposed to especially if you're doing work about yourself like you don't know your, you only know your interactions with yourself mm-hmm. and so that's why I also like to I guess call a part of self-teaching I call it uh, just trial and error or just a trial period where mm. okay you go and gather this information and then you go have a conversation with this person and it's like okay they gave me good feedback on this stuff So now I need to go learn some more and spend some time with this alone to sort of get better with it. And then once you get better, you want to try out the things that you just learned. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's also really important when you're having like when you're talking about super, super complex social issues. Like I think like in a certain way, when you're talking about interpersonal relationships, like do I do this? Do I not do this? Those Mm -hmm. are like really, they may be hard conversations to have, but they're still simple questions. Uh But like when you're talking about complex social issues, you're like, what is race? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Like, what does that even mean? Um, Are intersex people a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, which they are. Mm -hmm. And I'll fight about that. (laughs) Like just different things like that. You have to have really, really complex conversations mm-hmm. um, that are sometimes really hard and you just can't have those by yourself. You cannot. So what are some things that you have learned, like some really cool self-teaching moments you've had? I know for me, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but learning about black liberation and, but also the way it intersects with a lot of other movements, such as the reproductive justice movement. Like when I learned the difference between reproductive rights, which is just in general, like for a lot of white women, that means like, mm. Um, the right to not have a child like abortion is super important um, in the reproductive rights movement for white women which of course it is for 
other women of color, but for specifically indigenous and black women, it's also the right to have a child, Uh um, which like for sterilization and like, for example, like in Flint, Michigan, like that in not having clean water is a reproductive justice issue because you can't raise a child or people would consider not having a child in a place that doesn't have clean water Mm -hmm. because they don't want to expose a child to that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was really cool moments for me is learning about that. I also am super educated about mental illness, um, to the point where something I'm really proud of is that people will often come to me Uh to ask me questions about like my friends going through this thing, or do you know anything about this specific mental illness? Or do you know anything about how to resources and take care of people, how to find a therapist and all those different things? Mm. Yeah, I think something just as a whole that I've had to take the initiative to learn about on my own is mental health. I guess just from like early on, like it was just something that was never really talked about. So even just in a moment of transparency, I didn't really learn about how to really value my mental health until I got to college when I started doing Peace Jam. And so Peace Jam was like an introductory to that, but then... I just sort of did my own research. Like you said, there's always resources online to go to. So I did that. And then the place that I work is geared towards mental health and making sure that people are okay and just wanting to break the stigma in general. So I've spent a lot of time just doing research, looking at articles, reading think pieces and opinions just about that. And that's just one of the things that I feel better about now that I have a better grasp of it. And it's just cool to know something just to know something and to just be like okay I did this on my own and then I guess another thing is I just learned how to be more of an ally for LGBTQIA plus community um again it wasn't really something that was taught and so I've seen lots and lots of injustice in person as well as online so not only just being there to stand up and be an ally for someone, but also being there and giving them the space to say what they need to say and to fight for everything that they want to fight for. So I guess those are a few things that I've just learned along the way, fairly recently, actually. Yeah, I think also something that um, we've been laughing about this for a while, but... um, like government collusion is something <laughs> that I've educated myself on a lot. Like Quotel Pro, which if you don't know what Quotel Pro is, Google it if you feel brave <laughs> enough. <laughs> and it's just basically um, the FBI. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not mission, project. Y'all know what I'm trying mm. to say. Um, that like went after activists um, in the late 60s 70s um like that would like write letters to martin luther king telling him to kill himself psychological warfare Mm -hmm. um there's a documentary called 1971 that it talks about the people that exposed quote pro because people literally just broke into the fbi and like Uh stole their files that i really want to watch because obviously nothing happened to them you can't they can't kill those people everyone's gonna know Mm -hmm. that the fbi was the one who killed those people um but yeah i think that that was something that was super important and super liberating for me just to understand how much the government has just fucked things up i know that sounds weird that i find that liberating but just to know that like so many things just like aren't our fault Mm -hmm. is just something that i think is really important to know and also i guess speaking of government uh 
I guess we can sort of get into things that I'm learning about right now. I've been starting to, I guess, look more into the fact that a lot of the Ferguson activists have all been suspiciously oh, dying. Yeah. And so my FBI agent is also poss- like listening anyway, but I don't give a fuck. But yeah, yeah, that's something that I've been looking more into. So that's something I'm in the process of learning right now. Yeah, uh, It's very sad. And it's like, it almost seems obvious that there is something happening within the government to get rid of people. And yeah. it doesn't look good, but it's like, I want to continue to do more and more research on that and not necessarily build a case, but just sort of find something that says, okay, yeah, the government is definitely doing this. Yeah. Like when I, um, when I learned that there's a court case that proves that the government is responsible for the death of MLK Mm. and I tell people that I, everyone looks at me like I have like five heads (laughs) and I'm just like, but I have the receipts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's what's important, that you come with the receipts. I think the things that I'm learning about, um, I know a lot about food justice, but I'm learning more every day is something that's super important to me. Like, food is essential to our lives, obviously, but, like, the food that you eat can hurt so many people in the Mm -hmm. process, which is why, which is what started my journey to eating less meat because of the way immigrants are treated within the meat industry Mm -hmm. um, in in, uh, factory farms and things like that, um, which we've had a whole episode about. Something that's becoming, or has always been important to me that I'm learning more how to do is building solidarity with indigenous folks. I think that a lot of times when we're, especially as a black person, when we talk about racial justice, like people will say like, don't say POC and because sometimes you mean black people, which is completely correct. Um, sometimes you do mean black people, and I think that that argument, um, when we're talking about not using POC, it talks a lot about like like white Latinx people like yeah. taking up space that just doesn't belong to them. But I think oftentimes we forget indigenous people, and like when we're talking about incarceration rates, when we're talking about rates of sexual assault, when we're talking about all of these really the violence that people experience at the hands of the state you can't exclude indigenous peoples from those conversations Mm -hmm. but i'm very ignorant about what indigenous people want me to do Mm -hmm. and i'm still working on that every day Mm -hmm. i would say i think that with like building solidarity with indigenous folks like the concept of allyship has always kind of made me uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. like i remember being at like um I was part of my college's pride organization for a long time. That's kind of an understatement, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> that. But, um, and I remember someone saying at an event, like, oh, like, making just this big deal of them identifying as an ally. And I was like, why did you feel the need to do all of that? Like, uh-huh. allies, I, I've always felt uncomfortable with the concept because people like want you to know that they're an ally i think also as a queer person it makes me uncomfortable because there was for a large part of my queer life Mm -hmm. a conversation about whether or not allies are a part of the community Mm -hmm. which i still will never understand i don't get it if you are a part i don't i don't want to understand actually But, yeah, I think that, like, being comfortable with talking about allyship and solidarity um, with other people and what that really looks like. And I think that as someone with a lot of marginalized identities, Mm -hmm. um, that becomes really important because you were taught... Because I think that people 
um, who experience marginalization feel like they show up for their own issues, but they don't show up for others. Yeah. Which isn't okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I feel like I have a bunch of thoughts. One, either leave Alicia Keys alone or just <laughs> keep the same energy for Swiss Beats. It's like she shouldn't have to go through that if he's not going through it. Um, two, just don't forget about Flint. They're in the U.S. and we can support them just like we're supporting everyone else. Clean water is something that everyone should have access to. So let's continue to support them as much as everyone as we're supporting everyone else. And any other place in the United States that doesn't have clean water. These are facts, not just Flint. And three, just make sure you continue to take care of your mental health and just just take care of yourself in general. Okay. I love that. There we go. Um, my closing thoughts are that you should watch the L Word Generation Q um, and Work in Progress. Work in Progress is a show about an older queer woman who's dating this younger guy he's like 22 she's 46 i don't know how i feel about that um but they're grown Mm -hmm. um and it's just really fucking funny and it talks about gender nonconformity in like a bunch of different ways and lily wachowski who stole the matrix from a black woman is a writer just know that but it's still a good show okay even though fuck lily wachowski (laughs) uh get a library card wherever you are I mean, it's actually really easy to get a library card. Look up how to get a library <laughs> card where you are. I renewed my library card over the phone, and she was like, is this you? And I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that easy. So go get a library card. And just remember that you are a beautiful, capable person. Big facts. And you are more than capable of learning all the things that you want to learn and being you know, I talked a little, no, one of the, our second episode, actually, there becomes a time in your life where you've gained enough knowledge where you can teach other people, and you have to go through this difficult process to get there. Mm-hmm. You are more than capable of going through that very difficult process. You are also a beautiful person deserving of love and safety. I wanted to mention that after our toxic behavior episode. Also, this is the 10th episode, so thank you so much for sticking with me for 10 whole episodes. We are in double digits now. That is very exciting for me. Make sure you follow us on social media at Us Uncomfortable on Instagram and Twitter and DM me any questions that you want. If there is something you want to have answered on the podcast or if there's a topic that you want me to talk about, please let me know. Other than that, I hope you all have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. Bye.